education's uh, one of those things that everyone's an expert in. You know, yeah. Fred down the pub, yeah. and Mary, <laughs> whatever it is. They're, they're all experts. Yeah. They all know, oh, that's because they're bloody this and yeah. whatever. And they all have an opinion. And it would be nice to have an education secretary who'd actually been a head teacher. We've had a series of education ministers who, quite frankly, aren't really in touch with reality, are they? A parent has a really, in my view, really important role in the education mm -hmm. of their children. If they don't, they might be looking after them forever anyway. They're a school that's been there for years and years and years and years with a really great reputation, really well thought of. Why have they not got these links so that at the end of the year they say, I've got three boys that are going to be brilliant plumbers. I've got three boys that are going to... Because they don't value it. Welcome back to Success is a System. I'm Mike Green and I'm here today with Karen Johnson. Karen Johnson is the executive head of the Rowans Academy and we're going to learn all about that. I want to talk about education today because it comes up so much in all of the success stories or the lives of the people we talk to. Uh, a good education can be such a kickstart, such a springboard to success in whatever people want to do. A challenged education can make it so much harder to make any move. And yet so many successful people come from a challenged background and come from a fairly limited education. Now, I'm gonna ask Karen about it because I'm gonna get it completely wrong, but tell us about the Rowans and it's an alternative provision school, yeah. which we used to call special schools or whatever it was, but tell us what it means and why we need these schools. Okay, so there is a difference between a special school and an alternative provision. Um, so alternative, <laughs> alternative provisions were your pupil referral units, which there still yep. are some that are local authority maintained. So alternative provision academies are for young people who um, don't have an education, health and care plan necessarily, although we do have some in our schools that do have them. Um, so they would access special education. Yeah. Um, alternative provision is for children who are either at risk of exclusion or have been excluded. So it, they would either have been permanently excluded um, so it's a second chance um, or it's a short stay turnaround provision where we have young people in, we do some phenomenal work with them and then we hopefully push them back out into a mainstream system, right. which sounds like it's easy, but actually that's really difficult and, to do. Uh, trouble is, you, everything you say, I'm, I'm going to find interesting because I am so passionate about education. But if, I mean, in a way, it's a success if they're not with you long then. Absolutely. And yet, for them, it might be where they want to be 100%. because suddenly they're being understood, they're yeah. being listened to, yeah. they're being supported. And is it not hard to then force them back into mainstream yeah. education? So that's the real problem that all alternative provisions face is that we constantly battle and struggle with, is it a point in time that a child needs that support? So there could have been a family bereavement yeah. or some form of immediate trauma that they need that support only momentarily. So in the moment... Or is it longer term because the needs that they've got aren't being met or can't be met in more of a mainstream setting? And then that's the conversation of do they need an education, health and care plan to access special provision or is alternative provision where they need to be for that moment and they, can they go back? Yeah. There are some young people who will be in alternative provision for the rest of their schooling and that can, that's a positive thing. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. Yeah. No, and I can see that. I mean, I'm at a slightly different educational position uh, my brother and sister both got um, expelled or excluded mm. and both uh, for various reasons. Uh, but my daughter chose to go down. Um, she was a, a, an excellent student, chose to go down. It's the best thing that ever happened. So sometimes being in an environment that might be seen as a, uh, a penalty or punishment for some is the perfect ground for others to blossom and be all they can be. And it's a hard thing, I guess, to choose that. But I want to go back in time. I want to go, you know, Always it's how did someone become a plumber? How did someone become a dentist? How did someone become a teacher? How did someone become a super teacher or whatever we want to get to? What was your upbringing like? Brothers, sisters, mum, dad, um, silver spoon, no. not silver spoon. What was it like? <laughs> Tell us about Karen um, growing up. And okay, so I've got one sister um, who's five years older than me and we're very close. Um, we were single parent family. So dad left when I think I was three, came back and I think he went again when I was five. So brought up by a, a very strong mum, and I can't stress that enough when I say very strong. Yeah. Uh, some might say scary. Um, and then stepdad came along with his children. Um, that wasn't a particularly positive blended family experience. Um, now my mum and stepdad are still together, and my stepdad is who I call dad. We're very close. Um, I wouldn't say we had... It wasn't an awful upbringing. It was difficult, 
um, difficult relationship with my real dad, who I don't have a relationship with at all now, um, didn't have m- much money, uh, didn't have any possessions, remember not having the clothes everyone had and, and going on the holidays people went on. Um, but I wouldn't say that we were particularly hard done by. I think we learned how to manage ourselves and, and sort of stick up for ourselves yeah. and, and be who we wanted to be. But that was because I think we had such a strong female role model in our lives. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly <laughs> the same my dad left when I was four. He was just a sperm donor. <laughs> he was mm. never a father. Mm. Um, but what about education? It was it a good experience, bad experience, mm. no, good school, so bad school? We, I, I live in Kent and it's a, a selective system. So back when I was at school, it was something called the 13 plus. Yeah. which you didn't take an exam as such, but you did um, exams within the school and you got selected as whether you were good enough to go to grammar so school. Yeah, and so grammar school still started exists. at 13. So you went to a normal school up until the age yeah. of 13 and then in year nine you swapped. I wasn't good enough, no. so I stayed in the local school, which was rough. Um, it, it was, there were lots of fights and lots of, you know, and there were lots of children who were in class and disruptive and didn't really want to learn and, and I think I was probably average run of the mill. Can not... you remember what it felt like to not be good enough? Oh, God, yeah. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. And yet we still test kids so yeah. often. Yeah, days. yeah. And, and I still live in Kent. And my three children, I've fallen into the system. So although I am a teacher and my husband is a teacher, um, I coached my children through the 11 plus because now yeah. it's the 11 plus, And all three of my children went to grammar school. One of them is still there. One's just left and one left two years ago. And I don't think it's been a productive, positive experience for any of them. And yet I fell into that same trap. And I probably did it because when I was younger, I wasn't good enough to go. And so when my first child came along, as when you're new parents, you want the best for your children, I thought that was the best thing for him. So he's a, they're all clever kids, so it wasn't difficult to kind of coach. But obviously the test is a certain way, and so you have to be able to answer the test. You don't get yeah. taught it at school. Well, and that's one of the things, isn't it? Often, I think it's like you do a driving test. You don't really learn how to drive until yeah. you afterwards. Absolutely. And we're getting to the point where my kids went to a great school in many ways, bad in others, but they were really um, prescriptively tra- tra- uh, trained on how to pass the exams. Yeah. More than yeah. the subjects. Itself. I mean, they did learn the subjects, mm. but they they become masters of mm. exactly what was coming. They mm. knew what type of mm. questions. They even knew the type of rotation yeah. of questions. Yeah. So they were masters of passing tests, mm. not necessarily passionate, interested, knowledgeable about subjects. But what I didn't take into consideration was my first son and my, my youngest son are fairly, probably a bit more like their dad, quite laid back, quite relaxed. And so the grammar system worked for them they weren't particular they didn't fight against it they just yeah. gone with it my middle son's a bit more like me and is a bit more um doesn't like to be told is a bit more of a maverick and i think they couldn't wait to see the back of him he his time at school he's he's made some really lovely friends so he's got a really great yeah. group of friends but i think that's the only thing he would tell you was any good about his schooling he couldn't wait to leave and absolutely hated every minute of it because he was put in this box. And what's, what age is he now? He's, he's just left. Yeah, he's just yeah. left. So he's 16 um, and he... Couldn't do an apprenticeship. He did, well, yeah, so he wanted to do an apprenticeship, but <clears throat> contrary to what people think, that's really not very easy. Yeah. Um, and so we, I mean, I've ma- we've managed to get him an electrical apprenticeship, which he's been doing now for four weeks. He gets up at half past four every morning. He rides his bike down to the pub where they pick him up and he comes back at five o'clock at night. Um, he's done a hard day, goes to bed by nine every night and he loves it. And I think the disappointing thing is his teachers are never going to see him like that. And they didn't bring that out of him and it wasn't, it won't be uh, celebrated in any way, which I think is really sad. And uh, I mean, it may be harder for you to have an opinion on it, but do you think it's wrong that we put the pressure on children that if they don't go to uni, they're not as successful. We, we make them feel like failures if they don't go to uni. Is that, yeah, absolutely. Is that yeah. fair and is yeah, that right? Yeah, absolutely. So my eldest went to the same school, stayed on, did A-levels, then followed the suit and went to university. And I encouraged it, even though I knew it wasn't the right thing for him, I encouraged it because I wanted him to live his life and go and experience things. And all the things I remembered about my wild days at university – when actually it isn't quite like that anymore because you've got social media and it's very different. So you can I was get away of, with it then. <laughs> yeah, I was living through it thinking it would be like when I was there and it wasn't the same. And he lasted three months and hated every minute of it. 
I came home and I, I've never had so many people say to me, I'm so sorry. Like, are you okay? I was yeah. like, well, yeah, because I've got my son home. Of course I'm okay. And he's but, happy And if now. they're saying that to you, yeah, you can imagine the pressure on the of young course. adults themselves yeah. who are thinking, I've failed, I've given yeah. up. You know, it's and he doesn't feel like that because he's got two parents. No, but society tries Absolutely. to make you. He, the only reason he doesn't feel like that is because he's got two parents who were completely confident in his decision making and said we'd support him no matter what. Yeah. And actually, he's now got a good job that he's he's, he's learning on the job, and, and that's going really well for him. And I can see him blossoming. He makes money online doing things and all sorts of stuff. And he he is a bit entrepreneurial, and I think he'll be fine. But you're absolutely right, society does make us feel like we're not good enough if yeah. we don't and especially the school system we've got <clears throat> in Kent being a selective system if you don't stay on and do A-levels and you don't go to university other than that you're not really in the running yeah. for any kind of celebration of your successes it's like you know, then, yeah, yeah you're yeah, kind yeah. of substandard yeah, it is. well and often I'll uh, when I speak at schools it's normally about six months before they do GCSEs or six months before A-levels and I talk a bit about micro uh, goal setting and 15 minutes a day for the next six months can change your grade a grade can open the door but, uh, and we get into this but then often in the wrap up and uh, I'll say what I'm going to say but I'll look then at the teachers or the parents who are often there in this sort of opening and I say look a really important thing is I want you to ignore your parents and I want you to ignore your teachers and I want you to ignore society because you need to find your passion. Yeah. And I use the example of Mick Jagger, who's 80 this year, and, you know, is still performing. I mean, the energy that guy's got is amazing. But I say, go back when he was 15, 16. We're talking about 65 years ago. So what would that have been, 1960? He's there with his mum and dad, and he says, I'm going to be a rock star. You can imagine it. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't be stupid. Get a proper yeah. job. Yeah, yeah. And there's all these pressures. And you can imagine, he's a funny-looking bloke, isn't he? But it's amazing. But you say, you've got a face for radio, and you can't bloody dance or yeah. sing. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. don't be stupid. Yeah. And now... If he did listen to his parents, because we were, if, if today our kids said, I want to be a rock star, I'd be like, oh God, you know, I'm going to be looking after him till he's 40 or whatever it is. But when people follow their passion, even if they don't achieve monetary success or uh, success in the way that society wraps it up, they live every day doing something they love. Mm. Whereas if they, if their mum and dad say, you've got to be a bank manager and they become a bank manager, uh, they may make plenty of money, but hate every day, mm. you know, and so what, what is it? You know, I mean, what do you, we were talking a little bit just before about success. What do you, how do you define success for yourself, but also for kids? If you were saying at the end of um, uh, their time at Rowan's, what do I want to give them as a message to, to, to pursue for the rest of their life? I think we want to give back in the world, don't we? So it's not all about taking. So I think we've got to leave our mark on the world and it's got to be positive. So I I don't, it doesn't matter what job you do, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter what you, as long as what you're doing, I think, makes a positive contribution to society. For me, I absolutely love my job, which most people would say it's a bit mental because my job is, it, it has its moments. <clears throat> there are times when, and the people I work with would tell you that I laugh a lot and I laugh even when there's a really serious situation, you will always find me laughing because I say to them, look, no one's died. We're all alive. Everyone's safe. Let's let's look at the, the positives around this. Um, but I think there's so much emphasis on doing A-levels, going to university, doing this a certain pathway. It doesn't matter what pathway you choose as long as what you're doing makes you happy. And we talk about wealth, don't we? And what is wealth? And it isn't about being rich. It isn't about financially being rich. Money does make you happy because if you can't afford to eat, you, you, you're, you're not happy. If you can't afford to pay your mortgage, you're not happy. So there's a st- certain standard of, of wage that we all want to, to, to be able to, to earn. But I don't think it has to be the same for everybody and everyone's going to have their difference. My middle son is happy. It doesn't matter what he does, he's happy. Whereas the part of me, I'm not content. There's always something else I'm looking for. It doesn't matter what I earn. It doesn't matter what I do. I always want to do something else. I'm looking yeah. for it. So yeah. part of that's about our personalities, isn't it? And it absolutely is. And I, I often talk about my younger brother um, who basically lives the life he wants to live. So he's, ha- he's very happy in that sense. Uh, I also know a lot of very wealthy people who are very unhappy. Yeah. Or And even if they're not unhappy, they're unsatisfied. It's yeah. like, you know, they're 65, 70, and they're still going for it. I love that ambition, but 
weaved in among the ambition is a not satisfied. Yeah. Weaved in amongst the not satisfied is not content. And mm. and you start to look and think, like you say, you know, I, I, I go and speak at some of the, I've spoken at amazing schools in terms of qualification and in terms of cost and fees and facilities. I go to some challenge schools. There's a lot more laughter in the challenge schools. You know, so they in, in, the, in, in the paid schools, they're very serious. Mm. I'm not saying they don't build good friendships, but they come out like scared because they know they've still got this Everest to climb yeah. as opposed to I've finished education now what do I want to do it, but then that is the school system isn't it so we're really lucky in alternative provision because we can't really do anything wrong I mean we, we we've worked really hard we're one of very few outstanding in all areas under recent inspection for Ofsted and although Ofsted's not the major marker for everybody it is what people know and understand to be a kind of measure of success for a school um, but within that, we are free to do things that perhaps you're not free to do in mainstream. You've got the capacity to do things that you can't do in mainstream. What sort of, what sort of things? Just we're a bit freer with our curriculum, um, the way in which we teach. We don't prescribe certain methodologies. All teachers are free to, to experiment and do their own thing. We've got much smaller class sizes. Why? So the class size is, is a big thing, I think. Certainly, if you look at private schools to public, yep. public or yeah, state, yeah, of course. Uh, they're, mu- they're much yeah. smaller. Um but if you can see and feel and evidence the the positive of you as a school, as teachers within the school, yeah. having a bit more freedom on curriculum, why is that not being taken back yeah, to state yeah, and yeah, saying, yeah. we've found that if we get a bit more freedom, and yeah. I saw that you sort of build contracts with the kids yeah. and, uh, uh, and, and, and they become, they sign up to what they're trying to achieve and so on. Uh, that clearly works. And, uh, and I've seen some of the different things around schools similar. Why is that not going back to the state system? Why is it becoming, it feels to me, and I'm interested in viewing it, why is it becoming ever more rigid, not less so? Yeah, I think, so an example is my son, my, my youngest son, who's at um, the same school as the other two went to, he can't take business as a GCSE this year because they can't find any business teachers. So that curriculum's got narrower. That's what he wanted to do. He now can't do it. It doesn't mean he can't do it later on, but he can't do it at the moment. They've just chosen their options. There is a recruitment crisis in schools. We can't get teachers. Fifty, I think it's 25% of um, newly qualified teachers, or early career teachers as they're now called, leave the profession within two years. Yeah. The, the, the workload, people talk about, oh, you get all these holidays. But what they don't understand is that teachers are going in, they're doing 12-hour days, five days a week. Yeah, yeah. So behaviour in schools has got more and more and more challenging. The head teachers, mainstream head teachers that I work with in our local area, they are on their knees. It is tough. It's tougher than it's ever been. And yet we're not, government policy isn't reflecting that. We've got an education secretary who's just come out on Twitter to say about us going on strike and, you know, how many days were lost to yeah. children's education. And Well, if they'd have been paid properly in the first place then they wouldn't have needed to go on strike. It's the same for all the other people. Yeah. We get given a 6% pay rise, but it's not fully funded. So that, so comes, out, so don't, so that comes out of the what we've currently got in our funding, and therefore there are cuts all over the place. So children yeah. that have got additional needs don't get the same support in a mainstream school, yet we're being pushing all of these children with additional needs into mainstream school because it's cheaper. Yeah. I mean, something you were talking there about... Um, Whatever percentage was it? Leaving it's twenty five percent. Twenty five percent in the first two years. So first two early years. career teachers, yeah. And of course, education's uh, one of those things that everyone's an expert in. You know, yeah. Fred down the pub, yeah. and Mary, Mary in the co- <laughs> whatever it is. They're, they're all experts. Yeah. They all know. Oh, that's because they're bloody this and yeah. that, whatever. And they all have an opinion. But if you had to try and put from your experience actually in that environment, what are the three things that make them leave? Because everyone will say it's just money, the greedy buggers or whatever, but it's not just that. No. Um, if you had to say it's mostly this and then it's that and then it's this, what would those three things be well, that they come in, they clearly wanted to be a yeah, teacher, of course. studied, yeah. you know, did yeah. the courses yeah. to qualify, yeah. and within two years they hate it. What, what, what is it? So I think, um, and I don't know if this is controversial or not, but they've been to university and they've got themselves into quite an amount of debt, okay? They then start, and we're now pushing um, first-year teachers' wages up to 30 grand which is a decent enough wage. I'm not, I'm not criticising that. But you're never going to be rich if you're a teacher. Right. So you're prepared to put the work in. You, you work hard. Everybody works hard that, that takes their job seriously. 
but actually the workload and the pressures so because of the the pressures that we have in terms of the measures of success so the progress eight measures were out last week for secondary schools and it's it's a league table of schools and all over twitter it's those that are kind of you know parading around saying they've got the best ones and of course if there's a top of the list there's a bottom of the list and every year teachers look at their own results so I'm maybe I'm a French teacher and what did my class get in their yeah. GCSEs mm-hmm. this year? And if they don't do well, that's a direct impact. It, it, it's, I'm measured on that. So is, I'm that not un- is that not reasonable? It is reasonable, but then you're not taking into consideration other factors. So, for example, pupil attendance. So since COVID, we've got the lowest pupil attendance right. in the country that we've ever had. So if the child's not attending your lessons, they're not learning. So that's so not your fault. Though. No. Um, Behaviour. That's quite difficult. Lots of disruptive behaviour in classes. One teacher with 32 children who some of them might not want to learn, some of them might not want to be there, some of them have got additional needs and they can't manage in that classroom. They need something different, but they can't have something different because that's not what the system is. The system is, this is the menu, we're dishing this menu up and whatever happens, you need to do it. So if you look at all different angles, the children... So they're getting an okay wage... Yeah. They almost can't win because they're expected to do well, but system's against them a little bit. What support do they get as young teachers? And that that's not it's not a national situation that. It depends on each school. So leadership in schools is really important, isn't it? If you've got great leaders, then your staff are gonna feel supported and that their welfare matters. If you don't have great leaders, then perhaps everyone's in it. I mean there's a school local to us who has been it's judged inadequate and it's been inadequate for quite a few years now they're actually doing something about it they're going to split the school and do some stuff with it um but teachers one of my friend's sons went there as a new newly qualified teacher and he dropped out so he's now not in teaching at all mm. now my argument to her was let's get him a different job in another school because he'll love it he wants to be a PE teacher but he was tarnished then but then he couldn't he, he didn't want to go back because he'd had such poor experiences yeah, and yeah. it wasn't just poor experiences with children it was poor experiences with leadership workload not enough guidance children and their behaviours and their expectations and to some extent their entitlement. So your school's outstanding in all areas, mm. award winning. Mm-hmm. You're award winning head. Mm-hmm. You don't like the <laughs> recognition. But so but I'm saying this more to build up to clearly you're doing a lot right and you're helping people. Yeah. What is it that you are doing differently, better or best relative to other schools? Because this to me is where other heads, other teachers, other schools, maybe some MPs, a few a few uh, listen to the podcast and Maybe they should uh, get into some schools. But what is it you're doing differently, better, best that is making your school outstanding in every area, award-winning uh, and and producing kids that have come to you more challenged than most but leave better? It's probably a little bit like comparing apples and pears, though. So you can't really compare alternative provisioners in education with mainstream. That wouldn't be fair. So I can't say that what we're doing in our school comparatively to mainstream because they can't do it any differently. They are doing the best they can do and it's really tough. It's really difficult. Yeah. The situation is difficult. <clears throat> I think we go around schools and we do lots of training. So we've just done um, some training in a local primary school um, last week and it was about um, the power of relationships. And I think that's massively important. I don't think there's enough... So we talked earlier Between about... Between teacher and student. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the power and importance of human connection. Yeah. yeah. And um, we talked about Rita Pearson and children don't learn from... Um, teachers they don't like. Teachers they don't like. And if I talk to my own children, who perhaps you could say that working in a grammar school, you've got different pressures because generally the children are better behaved and, you know, you've, they are there aren't as many challenges potentially as there are compared to um, the, the other yeah. mainstream schools. They don't have relationships with most of their teachers. And so, I mean, I want to get into this a bit because, and I've talked as a doctor of education about, I'd often say to people, what was your favourite subject? Yeah. Oh, maths or sport. Why was that teacher made it really interesting? I really like the teacher. So the reverse of we can't learn from teachers we don't like is our best experiences and our best learning comes from teachers that we do like. Mm. Why is it that so many schools aren't, actively fostering developing trying to improve those relationships is it because they're scared if they get close to a, uh, a pupil they'll be called a paedophile or because it, no. it does seem to be getting less time the connection yeah. seems to be distancing i not- think it's some of it's time constraints and it's additional pressures so i'm your french teacher your business teacher and 
I don't want to, I haven't got time to worry about what you're doing at the weekend yeah. or how's mum at home or because I've got to get your grade. That's the most important thing. It's about your grade. So I think we've lost something along the way. And at the Rowans, we don't have to do that because we have fewer people, less, yeah, yeah, fewer yeah. kids in class, more time with them. We do less options. So they might take, in a mainstream school, you might take 12 GCSEs and we might do seven. Yeah. So you've got less, you've got more curriculum time. Um, and we're not judged on the same um, measures as, as mainstream schools are. So it's easier for us to do that. But is, is that you um, not wanting to take all the kudos? Uh, no. For some of what, or because surely you've got, I mean, look, if you've got 30 kids, just like if you've got 300 employees, the opportunity to connect with all of yeah. them exists. Some don't want that connection. Yeah. Some uh, actively uh, move away from that connection. Uh but some are kind of crying out for some connection. And chances are, if they're crying out from it, it's because, you know, they've got problems at home or, or yeah, they're just, course. they don't feel loved. And I'm not saying teachers should give them love, but recognition. They say babies cry for it, soldiers die for it. We all need some recognition. And I noticed it was a core yeah. part of the values and, yeah. and the way that you work. We're teaching teachers to teach a subject. We're teaching them about controls. We're teaching them about structure, framework, curriculum. Shouldn't we also be giving them more leadership guidance training on looking yeah. for connection? In, so in, we've in talked lots um, with our local um, teacher training provider about how all newly qualified or early career teachers need to come into alternative provision. And we do have a relationship with our local university right. to come and spend at least a week with us. And it really helps because they get to see it from the other side. Yeah. And I think... Before I went to work at the Rowans, it was 15 years ago, I didn't know it existed. I was in charge of behaviour in a mainstream school and lots of children were permanently excluded with from my um, guidance to the head teacher. Yeah. It's like it can only be the head teacher's decision, but ultimately it was me providing him with the information. Not once did I think where they went or even was that bothered about it. Now I see the other side of it and I've worked with it for 15 years. Actually, we need to do a lot more education in mainstream schools with mainstream staff about the power of connection, relationships. We've got behaviour policies, but we should have behaviour and relationship policies yeah. that actually you get more out of a child if you've got a relationship, if you connect with them. All of that is really rich and important. Yeah. And I don't think we do enough about that. We go around mainstream schools now and we're doing lots of um, work on trauma-informed practice and ACEs and um, windows of tolerance of children and, and how you can connect with a child and where is the right place you can connect with a child because yeah. lots of school staff don't understand that if a child's moved out of their window of tolerance where you are at your peak performance and they're either in hyperarousal or hypoarousal our staff in schools are trying to manage the behaviors up here yeah, yeah. when actually you you you've got to connect you can't before teach too extreme no at once, you've yeah. got to connect before you can correct you yeah. can't correct a behavior until you can connect with the person because they're not listening to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's a lot of education with that that perhaps early career teachers or even teachers that have been in the profession a long time could really do with reflecting on an understanding. But what that doesn't do is change the fact they're not resourced well enough. Yeah, no. And and so just on all of that and, and the final point about not resourced well enough, we um, <clears throat> in business, you try some stuff and let's say it's a product, it sells or it doesn't sell you do or don't connect with customers. If it's not working, you look at what is working, what isn't working, you change it. Yeah. And you evolve all the time. Yeah. So it improves. Um, from what you, you were just saying, I was thinking, it sounds like you've, you've, you've had some um, experience or the school system has had some experience, knows that you've got to connect to correct and some of these sort of obvious, really, when you think about it, mm. um, learning from teachers who you like and then, and then it becomes a a more positive upward spiral because the teacher then is getting more from it because the teacher knows they're mm. helping more and it's this mm. kind of positive. Why isn't that being taken back and changing the way that schools are working then? Should be, shouldn't it? I mean, it would be nice to have an education secretary who'd actually been a head teacher. Thanks for listening to Success as a System. We release a new episode every fortnight with fantastic guests. For more great content, like subscribe and share. See you all next time on Success as a System. Because at the moment, and perhaps any, any, anyone could say that about any, you know, various different ministers, but we, 
we've had a series of education ministers who, quite frankly, aren't really in touch with reality, are they? Mm. I mean, when Gavin Williamson was um, Minister of Education, he tweeted that he'd been to this high-power, great school, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I tweeted, retweeted it and said, come and visit us. Did you hear we, Of course no. not. We don't get visited, do we? Because these children don't exist. These children, they're not... It's an outcome. Invite <laughs> me now. Hey, you won't want me back then. <laughs> but they, these, this not... This isn't where people want to be seen to be, is it? They don't no. want to be seen but to... But they should. They should. Yeah, they should. What about the Shadow Education Secretary? Uh, uh, have, they, have they taught or had any experience? Mm, I don't know the answer to that question. Because they're probably going to be the education yeah, secretary. Yeah, that's now. a good point. I mean, yeah. the reality is, whether we like it or not, wherever our politics is, it's probably going to change. And, yeah. and that made, in thinking about today, that made me think, should education be outside of government in the sense that every time there's a change of government, there's probably going to be a change yeah. of educational policy. Every time there's a change of educational policy, you've got to suddenly adjust your, and your other teachers in all schools have got to adjust based on some new rules. Should, in the same way we um, we say, okay, it's the public service, mm. so we outsource it, but the civil service run it, but the mm. civil service remains constant. May or may not like them, but it seems to me it's too risky yeah. when you've got opposing parties that almost will change for change's mm. sake. I mean, we've now got this idea, haven't we, that we do maths post-16 till we're 18, which is laughable, really, because they so can get enough maths. maths like but they haven't got enough maths teachers yeah. to teach the kids that we've currently got. And what math, is it useful maths? So, yeah. you know, I remember my, my middle son, who's just done a GCSE, he's came home and he, for him, he looked a little bit down. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, I really couldn't do that exam. And he's a bright kid. Yeah. And when we looked at the paper, the questions that had come out on, on social media, it's not maths that is going to... I mean, he's an electrician. He's, he's now got... He's There's not any practical application. No, he doesn't need to know circle theorems and how, you know, and, and I don't know. The, the pro- exactly. And the problem... So they're not necessarily maths problems. They are linguistic problems yeah. <laughs> with a bit of maths in them. So we've lost a little bit of sight of functional maths, functional English, you know, banking. And how it's going to be useful in Skills that you need, you know, later on in life, perhaps. So, so one of the big things at the moment, I got into a bit of a um, social media spat about Angela Rayner um, a couple of weeks ago. Because I went to this school that, as I said yeah. to you, was called a demonised depository for social waste. Um, my girls went to a brilliant private school and I don't mind saying it it had its own challenges don't get me wrong and and there were things about it I would not want them to go back and experience but she says we're just going to ban state or we're going to charge 20% VAT on state school they're already 38 grand or whatever so now it's going to be like 40 something thousand Um, and you know I looked at that and thought I can't remember the numbers now but it was like half a million kids or something are now going to be forced back into the state system or whatever proportion and and I, I also thought Having gone to the, the school where I sent my kids, probably 30 to 40% of the parents in there, they weren't Silver Spoon parents. They weren't wealthy parents. They were going without holidays. They yeah. were selling the car. They were yeah. moving from London to, to Lincolnshire to be able to afford yeah. to put their kids through that because they just rightly or wrongly thought that would give them a better start. Yeah. Um, and yet she is an MP, just like all other MPs, got, got no idea, sort of says, oh, you know, they're... they're it, She's so against anyone from a private school, anyone from a good upbringing and so on. And, and I can see it both sides. I really can. I've been in poverty. I've had money. Uh, I went to terrible school. My kids went to a good school. But it, do, you, do you have a, an opinion on private schools versus state schools? Uh, should we only have one system? Should we aspire to raise all schools up to that? You know, what, 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 what's your view on that? I don't have a problem with private schools. My husband works in a private school, so our conversations around the dinner Sorry, table. Sorry, What's our his name? <laughs> Darren. <laughs> our conversations around the dinner table of school experiences are fairly vast. So he works in a private school. I work where I work. The boys have gone through uh, so a So you really system. do understand the difference. So we've yeah. got all of these kind of things going on. Um, and sometimes we'll share anecdotal stories. And his are obviously extremely difficult to mine. You know, he, he laughs sometimes as Henrietta lost her clarinet or whatever it might be that <laughs> was was yeah. today's, you know, massive issue. Um, whereas it might be a little bit more serious in, in, in my kind of field of work. Um, but I think if people want to pay for their children to go to private school and private schools are there, it's, it's the same as anything else, isn't it? I've got a private dentist. I pay to go and have my teeth done at a private dentist. I'm not National Health. So I think the choice is okay. I think we should all have the choice to do it. No, no, exactly, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think the choice is, I think we should have the choice to do it. Are they better? I think, as you've said, there are things that 
create more problems mm. with them sometimes. Um, Some kids come out more messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I would get rid of the grammar system. I think that's a massive issue no. uh, for our local, for our authorities. Because it's it. creating division in, in that, yeah. 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 And and you don't get a good cross-section of society. There are a certain, a certain type of young person fits in a, I can only talk boys' grammar school, but in an all-boys' grammar school, a certain type of young man fits in that environment and yeah. is mm. well catered for and excels. And my children haven't fit that. Mold, mold, yeah. especially my middle one, who actively fought <clears throat> against that mold. And so. well, and and you were saying how you worked hard to help yeah, them. Yeah, it was get a nightmare. That. And I know um, a lot of parents who I would meet at my daughter's school literally put them through tutoring to get them into the entrance exams uh, and everything else. Some people say you shouldn't have to do that because if you have to do that, yeah. they probably shouldn't be there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But but equally. Um, I, I, my argument is sort of saying, yeah, but are you saying parents shouldn't be involved in mm. the education? Because there's there's two different things going on mm. here. Because, you know, my wife and I used to do this sort of story before bed mm-hmm. and, and what homework have they got? Not to, not to do the homework for them, but mm. a parent has a really, in my view, really important role in the education mm. of their children. Mm. If they don't, they might be looking after them forever anyway. Mm. But to what degree do you see parents helping children your school your kids school uh, your husband's school and is there a kind of message that we individually but as a nation need to be saying you have a responsibility parents this is what you should do to help your children or do you think you should say no just pass them over we'll we'll look after it probably some and some not all parents have got the capacity to be able to support yeah. so cognitively or or financially or whatever whatever that capacity might be um I I managed to get my first son. They're, they're, they're all three of them are quite clever boys. So it wasn't they weren't out of their depth academically being in the grammar school, um, but because the first one went, I had to make the second yeah. and third one. I had to have the same for me. They had to have the same opportunity. What I didn't think was, is this the right opportunity? Because if I'd have asked myself that question, no, it wasn't the right thing yeah. for the second one. So I'm I've been a parent as they've grown up. You don't want to do your homework, don't do it. I think you should do it. And if you want help with it, I'll support you. But I'm not going to check your homework. I'm not going to sit and make you do it because they've got to have some form of intrinsic motivation. Children that don't have their own intrinsic motivation won't ever go on to be lead successful, happy lives because they'll always look to the next person. And we've also got a generation of entitled kids, haven't we? Yeah. (laughs) So I do think... They're abused if they haven't got a phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I do think there are some parents that don't pay enough attention and maybe there are the... Yeah. Kind of parents that hover over their kids and pay too much attention. What 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 is the best way you think parents can support? I mean, because they might not have the capacity to teach or to be actively involved in that sense. But what's the best support a parent can give a child through schooling? Do you think? I think modelling. So actually, I work really hard. My husband works hard. So in our household, there is a. I said to my fourteen year old, he's just turned fourteen. I said, you know, when you turn fourteen, you have to do football refereeing. And he looked at me because he's, he's very quiet and quite yeah, shy. Yeah. And it was like, I'd, it was awful. He just didn't know what to say to me. And I said, everybody works in this house, George. And when you turn 14, the first you can go and referee. So all of you football referee, that's the first job yeah. you have. So dad's going to enroll you on that course and you're going to do it. I think that's really important that we model the fact that you have to stand on your own two feet. You yeah. do have to go and get your first job when <clears> you can. Um, and that you emotionally support your kids as well. Because actually, mental health is, is is a massive issue, isn't it? And social media is a massive, massive issue and it causes lots of mental health yeah. issues and stuff. And I think if we can eat dinner together every night, talk about not what have you done today and everyone goes on the table, but generally have nice conversations about stuff, maybe bring up what's going on in the world, have an understanding of, of the world around us. And we do that through that kind of family unit stuff. That's probably the best support yeah, I mean, we can give our kids, and that's breaking down. We don't, not everyone no, has that. One of the things I think I didn't always agree with her, but my wife was completely right on. Our girls are twenty-one and twenty-four. Is every meal is at the table? Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're literally they're mm. twenty-one, twenty-four. We never eat meals at, uh, on our laps. No, nope, never. No, uh, really. And and at, oh, I think, oh, bloody hell, let's watch a movie. <laughs> but it's only like forty minutes, maybe an hour, if you get chatting yeah, on yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you do chat because mm. and when she was no phones at the table. No, nope, so absolutely. Like, same rule. Bloody hell, she's a nightmare. Yeah. But we've been together 35 mm. years, so it's all good. But on that, that made me think about, have your kids all got phones? Yeah. 
Do you, there's been chat lately, hasn't there, about um, phones being taken off kids when they go into school and give yeah. them back at the end of the day. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that one? So we take them off them in our school and they get okay. put in a safe in the morning. And we do that because if we don't do it, it causes untold problems all throughout the day. But because we've got, we're smaller school and because of the additional problems that our young people face, yeah. that works really well. My husband was telling me... It can't me, be easy because you've got kids who are probably been violent or, or like have tendency to speak their mind. Of course. And yet people say, we can't take the phones off from them. Oh, in no, ordinary I mean, schools, it works. It, it's okay. Well, I mean, it, let's, we don't, it does, they don't always give them over willingly, but we won't let it go. So yeah. that's the school rule. And we don't have a huge amount of school rules. And what if they're caught with one? Because I know my daughters, they're not at school now, but they, they, have, they have their phones collected in. So they'd have one that they could give yeah. away. An yeah. old burner yeah. one or something. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah. they keep the secret yeah. one. But then that boils down to relationship. So every in, in our school, we've got a form tutor who's got the best relationship with her children or his children. They don't very often lie to their form tutor because they value that relationship. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the one person that they know is going to help them. You know, if if I come along and I say to them, come on, you know, you, you said you haven't got a phone. We know you have. They know that I'm going to help them when they've got a problem. So they generally don't want to let you down. So you as the head, executive head, um, how do you measure the degree of connection and relationship that teachers have with the kids? I mean, because you know you want it to be as deep as it can be so that there is that trust, there is that kind of uh, contract almost. But how do, how do you know if the teachers have got that or haven't got that um, with, with all the kids? So for us, it's children making positive choices. So when the kids are making positive choices, they want to be in lessons. Um, when, a, when a child comes to us and they're new, it takes them a little while to become rowanized because they're a bit like, well, why are they doing that? Why are these kids going to the lesson? Why are they? Because they've been so used to arguing and fighting against it. And now they're with all these children that they might know through social media or through their school that they would have seen arguing and fighting. And now they're quite happily yeah. <laughs> going along their day. So I think for, for me, it's about how the school is day-to-day. It's a calm place. It's a happy place. There's lots of laughter. That We've got a huge social media presence. We've never had... We've got Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we've never had one negative comment posted by anybody on any of those platforms in the last 10 years. And for me... One, <laughs> yeah, don't start <laughs> writing on my... <laughs> So for me, that's, that speaks volumes. Our parents, our relationships with our parents, and we do the same usual things everyone else does in terms of surveying it and stuff, but our parents are with us 100%. Great. So you've seen, as you say, your kids been through state, standard, grammar, your husband's private school, and I think it's a great sort of blend, and, and you're a, a, an alternative provision school. If there were three things that you, if you were the education secretary, yeah. what three things would you change in education in the UK? Um, okay. I would, uh, it's got to be financial to start with. There's not enough money in, in mainstream education in schools. So they don't have the funding to offer the level of support for the children that need the support. And we end so, up paying the price later anyway, don't we? Exactly. Yeah. So, that's exact, so we talk about inclusion all the time and, and um, government actually is, gives us the tools in mainstream school to exclude children. So we, you know, that policy and, and allows schools to exclude children that disrupt other people's learning or who are dangerous or violent or whatever. Once that's happened, they come out, they cost a lot of money. Yeah. If they can stay in alternative provision short term and then go back, they cost less money. If they stay longer or they get an education, health and care plan, and they go into special, they cost a lot of money. If we don't support kids early on and they leave school and they're involved in crime was it two billion pounds they a year? cost us yeah, yeah, yeah. they cost Huge. us even more money so that early intervention work has <clears> got to be a lot of money and with the new green paper there is that that's the talk of there being a three-tier system an early intervention but there needs to be money that follows that early intervention yeah, yeah. at the same time as still dealing with all this that's happening because you can't just put and all it's the cost money justified in. by what it saves after school and, and yeah but what they're talking about doing is we take all the money out of here at the top and we put it in the bottom. You can't take it off the top to start with. You've got to do it both ways, haven't yeah, you? Because yeah. you've got to Otherwise stem the make flow. It worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing. I think we put resource. I put resource in so that intervention can happen with children to keep more children in school and be successful. Um, I think our system of supporting children when they leave at the age of sixteen, and the fact that we are hell bent on getting fives and above in maths, English, and all our other GCSEs is wrong. Yeah. Because we don't value anything. We don't have enough funding in schools or enough recruitment 
work going to recruitment to have engineers, DT yeah. teachers. So lots of schools are cutting subjects like that, vocational so only, subjects. you're only left with the academic. Yeah, academia. yeah, yeah. So it's not enough vocational, the arts, things like that. But actually, why are we not mm. putting, you know, onus on that? Why is it always so academic? And yet I say that, it could, I do public speaking and different things, and I say that the most important uh, um, subject for me at school was drama. Mm-hmm. I was taught to improvise. I was mm-hmm. taught to project my voice. Mm-hmm. I was taught to kind of... If, if if I'm feeling sad, I could act happy. And the more I acted happy, the more I became happy. You know? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the acting was really important. And the other thing was the arts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think arts is all love is and uh, uh, and the wealthy people and ballet and all that stuff. But it's not. It's about expression. It's, mm-hmm. it's about connection with uh, something that calms your mind down and everything else. So, uh, And I went to this travel school. But those two things stood out for me as really powerful. And, and I see them somehow being seen as wishy-washy mm-hmm. kind of superfluous and then I think the third thing I'd do is value it I don't think value the education value just value education value teachers as a profession listen you know actually really understand even people in local government or you know local council they don't really understand what's going on in schools you can't talk about schools unless you spend time in a school so you know you so should business and school come together when I was at school we did um, I think it was called Trident or something where we set up a little no set up a little business run it for a year the last year or something and then sell some products or something what was that called Um, it was like a work experience thing not YTS or something was it no no it wasn't going out to a job it was in school we Mm. we set up my brain's gone clearly Uh, but business and education I got an award at school for fostering better relationship between business and education with different things but businesses tend to shy away from it all you get them educated and then if they're good enough exactly but are we producing what business needs so in school they they would say no yeah no we're not though are we and and my child is a prime example of that because he went to a grammar school he did all academic subjects he was encouraged to drop two of them just before he took the the exams because he wasn't going to do them very he was arts and french and he wasn't going to do wasn't going to do them very well i mean i did say to him do not tell your teachers i'm i speak fluent french (laughs) because you can't drop that and that's a bit embarrassing um so he's encouraged to drop two got academic qualifications so you know sevens and sixes in in physics and chemistry but he just wants to be an electrician yeah, but what did yeah. we do throughout school? I, I organised his work experience and he did two lots of work experience that I organised yeah, with electricians. Yeah. But what did school, what did the school system do to help him follow what he wanted to do and follow his, but they've done nothing. I've done it. They've done nothing to help. The school well, system's done nothing. And, and I, my brain goes all over. We literally got a couple of minutes left, but um, careers teachers. I find it strange that careers teachers are teaching about careers, but they probably haven't had a career other than being a careers teacher. Exactly. So, should we change that? Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, a, a good example, my daughter was incredible. the second one, both of them, but the second one was incredibly academic and interested in psychology and different things, but she was also an amazing musician. So she goes and sees the careers officer or whatever they're called, and, uh, oh, what do you do? I'll do this, i do it. The minute they heard music, oh, I should be a musician. Mm. It's like, Christ. It's just lazy. And actually... She did. She actively didn't want to be a musician because she was terrified that if she did that as a job, she would then only be able to do that as a job, and it would take away something she had a passion for that she didn't want. She wanted to have as a pleasure, not as a yeah, that's right business. But why hasn't this school that my three children have been to got all these connections with plumbers and electricians? And at the end of year eleven, they're saying to these businesses that they've got these great links yeah, with yeah, yeah. because they're a school that's been there for years and years and years and years with a really great reputation really well thought of why have they not got these links so that at the end of the year they say i've got three boys that yeah. are going to be brilliant plumbers i've got three boys that are going to, because they don't value it well either that or i'm not sure the education system encourages or allows it so you know i, I mentor 30 trades a lot, a lot of my elections and plumbers uh, charlie mullins wants to be a UK ambassador for apprenticeships and get people into mm-hmm. apprenticeship and start to say, look, if you don't want to go to uni, it certainly isn't right for many, mm-hmm. many people, mm-hmm. especially if you've got anywhere on that spectrum, but you could be an amazing person as a plumber or an electrician yeah. and you'll probably be employed forever yeah. if you are, because AI ain't going to fix lights yeah, yeah, and it ain't yeah, going to yeah. plumb a tap kind of thing. So, and actually it can be quite fun. I think a lot of businesses don't realise that they could be more actively involved in school. I mean, if, if a business in your area came to you and said, you know, we always need five plumbers a year, can we come in and talk yeah, about yeah, plumbing yeah, to yeah, your yeah. fifth form of that? Yeah. 
you, you'd, yeah. you'd encourage yeah. And schools would, schools would do it. They're just, they're just not going out and finding it. And I think the plumber, the company that got my son, I think they think they've won, they've won the lottery yeah, yeah. because he's a clever kid and he wants to yeah, do yeah. it. We at school now, we're trying to get some money because we'd like to open our own little cafe coffee shop so that we can teach every single one of our kids that's coming through our system a barista qualification Brilliant. which yeah. means that when they leave they can go and work in a coffee shop now i understand that for some people that's not highbrow enough but for the kids that are coming through my school that could make I, the complete world difference but how do i do it well, where do i get that from that's really an hard uh, we could work together on that I speak to one of the big brands because they would probably love the association as well my daughter during one of her summers did a starbucks job on the train station mm. at peterborough uh, I mean, she's now got a master's in cognitive neuroscience and doing psychology. But she still says, one day I'll have a coffee shop. You know, because, yes, she can do this. She does do that. It pays really well. But two things that came out of her working at a coffee shop, she said, you learn so much about people, Dad. Yeah. You get to know them. You get to learn customer service. Mm-hmm. And there's a real art to the barista art mm-hmm. and, and all this mm-hmm. sort of really good. Getting a coffee shop. And she'll say, oh, they've killed the bloody express, espresso or whatever because they can, if they get mm-hmm. the temperatures wrong and, and different things. And she said, the second thing is, People work really hard in that coffee shop, but they can't afford a flat. Yeah. They have to sew for yeah. surf because minimum wage yeah. for doing a job like yeah. that is pathetic. So separately, we have a bit of a like rant often about minimum wage. It needs to be a livable wage and so on. But one last thing. What's the worst thing about education in the UK? Uh, are you still proud of it? Do you think we as a country should be proud about it? And what's the best thing about education in the UK? I think the worst thing is the constant competition between schools, league tables, who's doing better, who's not doing better, who's the best head, who's not the best head, who's got the worst kids, reputation of this school, that school, you don't want to go there, it's not good enough, all of that. I think we could just stop beating it over the head with a stick, that would be helpful. Oh God, so less measurement, Yeah, less your kid goes to an alternative provision, that must be horrific. Yeah. And you speak to all of the parents of children that come to my school... And they're over the moon, their kids are with me and my yeah. head because that's, for the first time ever, they feel they're being successful. So and let's not... Someone's listening as yeah, well. So yeah, so let's not beat the system over the head. So that's the worst <clears throat> thing. What's the best thing? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think you've got a Reasons whole load... Cheerful. I think you've got a whole load of people who have literally made it their life's work to, to put back into schools I'm so proud of all of my staff in my school the head teacher who runs the Rowan's Fiona is an amazing head teacher her staff are incredible all my staff that work with all my primary kids are outreach workers they're all incredible the people we meet in mainstream schools and you know actually I am proud to be a teacher and I think there are a lot of wonderful people in the profession so I think that's something that we should celebrate more thank you very much thank you Karen and I would say to anyone who's, uh, who's watching or listening, check out the Rowan's um, uh, Academy. Uh, look on the website because just even the way the teachers uh, introduce themselves is quite different to what I'd ever experienced. Here's Mrs. Johnson. It, it's, it's a nice, relatable thing. Talks about That's for my that primary school, though. Well, yeah, but, but the point being, it's, it's, not, it's not overly academic. It's not like trying to... Uh, I, a bit like you were saying about the, um, earlier about some people care I'm this I'm this I'm this yeah. I'm this I'm this and rather than trying to say actually I'm just a normal person yeah absolutely who, who cares but uh, listen if you've enjoyed like share subscribe and if you're a business maybe get to your local school and ask them what you can do to foster better relationships between education and business and you never know you might find someone who could be your next best employee or a future leader for the UK thanks very much we look forward to seeing you on another edition of Success as a System